right, so welcome to Bourbon Beards and Belvedere's. I'm Adam. I'm Paul. And today we're going to drink some bourbon, talk about some beard products, and smoke some cigars. Before we move on to the bourbon of the week, I am starting my day off with a pour of Legion. It's a 94-proof bourbon finished in wine and sherry casks. It's a collaboration of master distiller Fred No from Jim Beam and chief blender Shinji Fukuyo from Suntory. And um, it's 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 really good. It's a it's a nice easy sipper. Got lots of fruity notes from the wine, and then you get the you know the the oak and the uh, vanillas from the from the bourbon. It's great. Uh, Paul, what about you? What do you got? Uh, I like that you're sticking with the Jim Beam family, because so am I. I'm going with a little. Claremont Steep. Adam was nice enough to procure this for me and send it my way because I have not seen it yet here in Maryland. But it's a Jim Beam product. It is a their first, I guess, non-distillery only or special batch release of 100% malted barley. So that's it. 100% malted barley. Um, they're using, they're calling out on the bottle, they're using their heirloom jug yeast recipe. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but they made a point to call it out, so it has something to do with it. And it's uh, aged for 60 months in new American oak, and uh, it says you get warm notes of toasted grain and hints of caramel. And I've had a few pours of this since Adam sent it to me, and it is fantastic. I am a American single malt, very big fan of it. Um, this is just, I mean, brown sugar, honey, you get the, the maltiness from the single malt, but it's not, doesn't taste young, doesn't taste, you know, super grain forward, which is kind of funny for it being 100% single malt uh, barley, but it's it's really good. So what, what did it say about the jug yeast? I think I might have an answer for what that could mean. Right, on the back of the label, it just says, it lists uh, fermentation, uh, there are heirloom jug yeast recipe that's all it says okay so if i remember correctly jim beam used to keep the yeast in a jug the the secret family yeast and it's been passed down through the generations now i'm not sure if they still use that same yeast in fermentation when it comes to standard jim beam or any of the other offerings but i'm willing to bet you that that's what they're calling out on that label right there I'd have to do some research to be sure, but I, I'd be willing to say that that's probably what it is. Yep, that sounds good to me. So this Legion, in case any of the listeners haven't had the opportunity, it is, it's about $45 and worth every damn penny. I've not had the opportunity to actually have the Claremont Steep. I thought about purchasing a bottle whenever I got polls, and I did not. I ended up buying a blenders select smoke wagon rye which will show up here eventually that is a fantastic whiskey paul if, if you've never had the opportunity to get one of those i highly suggest getting one of those it's just great i've not seen it by me yet i'll have to get you a sample the um but the claremont steep i've had a couple american single malts and the one that stands out particularly I didn't enjoy too much, but it wasn't made by Jim Beam who I would, you know, put a little more stock into, into trusting when it came to something like an American single malt than I would this other company. I don't want to 
call it out. Um, I was there recently and they were very gracious and it was, it was, you know, it was a good experience, but that, that one particular offering isn't the best. So. Yeah. yeah there's a, a lot of companies are moving towards it. It's one of the up and coming labels, I think for a lot of companies to try to make sure that they have one in their, <clears throat> in their product offering. Um, and yeah, I've had some pretty bad ones and I've had some fantastic ones. Um, there's a distillery in Baltimore up by me called Old Line. They make a fantastic single malt. Um, I know Chattanooga's doing some good stuff. This one, this one's right up there with one of the better ones I've had, though. Well, that makes sense, right? If, if not for single malt whiskeys, we wouldn't have bourbons. Right. Right. So it does make sense. And there are definitely some scotches that I've got a Balvenie, I've got a. Um, what do I have a Glen Morangy, um, a couple others upstairs that I can't, I can't really think what they are right now off the top of my head, but they're really, they're really damn good. But those distillers have been around for a really long time. They, they really know what they're doing. Not that Jim Beam hasn't been around for, it's been around for shit, 200 something years, something like that. Very long time. Fantastic whiskey making. Mm -hmm. They, they know what they're doing. And, you know, I would like to have, I'd like to just sit down and have a conversation with Fred just to listen to him talk because every time I, first of all, people tell me I'm embarrassing to be around because I curse constantly. I got nothing on Fred. No. <laughs> so I, I like to sit and listen to him. Just, he'd, he'd just curse up a storm and, um, uh, Aaron from, from smoke wagons the same way he's, he's. You know, he just lets it fly too. So I, I appreciate that. You know, they're not, they're not, you know, above or better than or anything like that. They're just regular dudes that happen to make awesome whiskey. So that's, I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to finish off this little, little bit here and move on to the whiskey of the week. Wash out my glass. All right, so whiskey of the week is tried and true. It is old faithful. It is a staple in most bourbon drinkers' bars. It is Wild Turkey 101. Now, this is my first love in the bourbon world. Um, my first drink in the bourbon world was definitely a Jim Beam White Label, and I got sick. I drank too much of it. I drank it too fast. And of course, when you're 18, 19 years old, unless you have the privilege of knowing somebody, you know, that's been in the bourbon game for a while, which at that time wasn't really a thing. That was 2001, 2002. Um, you know, so when you're 18, 19 years old, you're just drinking it to get drunk. And I got drunk and then I got sick. And then I found Wild Turkey 101, and I never looked back. Hard to beat, right? The price is right. You know, you can pretty much always afford a bottle. You can always find it. It's available everywhere. Um, this particular bottle is unfortunately not a Austin Nichols, but it is one of the last bottles that was, or one of the last releases 
that had the old style label on it before they started doing the embossed glass. Um, that doesn't affect the taste. It's the same exact distillate as what's in the embossed bottles. Might be a little different than the bottles that, that had the Austin Nichols on the label, which is when I started drinking wild turkey. And um, I miss <laughs> I miss that stuff. I got to say that. But it's, you know, it's 101 proof. And um, I mean, it's 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 perfect. It hits all the notes. It's got the right amount of spice, the right amount of heat. It's got the right amount of sweet. It's got the vanillas. It's got the rye. It's a, it's a high rye bourbon. It's, um, you know, it, it, you can put it in a cocktail and it'll stand up to anything you mix with it where you can drink it straight. You know, if you're a less experienced drinker, if you don't drink higher proof bourbons, 115, 130, those types of, you know, that, that kind of range, um, this, this won't, overpower you it won't throw you down the stairs and and then run down the stairs and kick you in the ribs while you're laying on the ground in pain unless you drink the whole bottle by yourself really fast then then it will absolutely but it's um i mean it's it's a prize performer it's like i said it's old faithful it's just it's wild turkey 101 yep it's one of the ones that i always recommend to new whiskey drinkers when they ask what should i get what should i get i see this behind the you know behind the bar and it's Thirty dollars for and this that and I'm like nope. Start out with a handful of them and this is right on the list of what you should start with. This is what bourbon should taste like. Um, it's a seventy-five, thirteen, twelve mash bill and non-age stated, but suspected to be a blend of six to eight-year-old bourbon. Um, it's about twenty-seven, twenty-eight dollars uh, in Maryland, um, which is right there for you know everyday shelf pour um i really like the i get a lot of vanilla off of wild turkey 101 um get the baking spices and pick up on the rye grain but the vanilla is what's always noticeable for me it's really uh it's got a great mouthfeel too um stands up on the glass and uh really coats your mouth and that's a nice finish doesn't linger the spice lingers a little bit but it's it's there long enough just to let you know you're drinking very, very good whiskey. That's correct. And it's so to, to, to give a little history on it, um, it's 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 been around for a long time. Um Jimmy Russell kind of I'm sorry, uh did I yeah, Jimmy Russell kind of brought it back from obscurity in a way. And um he's he's been around for a long time, folks. He's 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 been in this business for 60 years and is the longest active master distiller worldwide in any spirits industry or, or in any aspect of the spirits industry, whether that's bourbon, um, scotch, you know, which is arguably the, the oldest form of whiskey is scotch, right? Um, he's a whiskey hall of fame member, a Kentucky bourbon hall of fame member, a lifetime honorary member of the Kentucky Distillers Association. Um, he's a judge for the International Wine and Spirits Competition. So if you're a distiller and you've got your, your distillate in the International Wine and Spirits Competition, you've, you've got to get it past Jimmy Russell to, to actually win an award. Um, the man knows what he's doing. He, he goes still to this day to the gift shop 
on specific days of the week and sits there and signs bottles for folks. Um, and he's, he's, he's an elderly man. I don't, I don't know how old he is exactly. I believe he's in his nineties. He doesn't have to do that, but he does it because he loves it. Right. And, and he loves the fans and, you know, I, I know some fans of wild. I'm a very big, this, like I said, this is my, my first love as far as bourbon goes. I know some folks that wild Turkey is their jam. Um, Weaver comes to mind specifically. And, um, you know, he, he, he does it for people that just happen to be there for a tour. And he does it for people on the other end of the spectrum that love wild Turkey and nothing but, um, he's just, you know, he, he's a legend. He's a legend. And he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, moving less and less or more and more into the background, less and less in the, um, in the forefront and, and kind of handing things off to Eddie Russell, um, Eddie, which is Jimmy's son. He's a 30 year whiskey veteran. He's also a member of the Kentucky bourbon hall of fame. Um, he was a creator of wild Turkey diamond anniversary and the co-creator of Russell's reserve, um, wild Turkey, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, um oh uh, the rye i'm sorry the the wild turkey rye and then rare breed rye is a co-creator of rare breed rye and also the co-creator of long branch bourbon um working with matthew mcconaughey on that who has since removed himself from that from that uh from that brand for some reason were you aware of that paul yes i did read them. i'm not exactly sure of the reason but i did see an article that he is Remove yeah i definitely didn't see a reason um regardless these uh this this father and son duo they 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 work side by side and um you know there are some brands that make phenomenal whiskeys and then they make subpar whiskeys i i, I can't say that anything that wild turkey makes and you might have a differing opinion paul but i can't say anything that they make is subpar no i agree even i mean the the lower proof wild turkey is fantastic. I mean, it's great with cocktails. I mean, even the American honey has its place. I mean, it's not for me, but I mean, that's, it's well done. I've had it before and it, it's not like some of the flavored offerings out there. So it's, I, I can't, I can't say that anything that they make is, uh, is bad. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the productive spirit and the rare breed. It's becoming harder and harder to find. Um, but those, those bottles are great. Yeah, it's a shame. I, I really enjoy rare breed. Um, before I'd ever had it, I had a friend that kept telling me, buy rare breed, buy rare breed. And I was at a liquor store one day and I saw it and there were like three rows of it on the shelf. And I didn't. Um, and uh, then I started, you know, I bought a bottle later on and I started really liking it. And I got about three bottles deep. And then all of a sudden I couldn't find it anymore. It's like, mother motherfucker like where where is this shit you know y'all uh and and I, I understand in a way right but it's not the same people are people are making it into a a Pappy van winkler so i'm starting to see it on secondary markets and it's ridiculous there's a place for the secondary market i think the prices are way above what they should be but i like I, i'm not i'm not gonna go buy a Pappy van winkle for anything above retail but I can understand the reason for the scarcity. 
right? And you age something for 20, 23 years in a barrel, you've got less and less every year that it's aging. And then by the time you pull it out, there's hardly anything left in the barrel, but you're getting taxed on it at proof gallon rates for the entirety of the time that that's in that barrel. So um, you got to make that money back. So that makes sense. But the, then people are losing their minds for it on secondary and they're paying two, $3,000 for the older bottles and, you know, seven, eight to thousand to $1,000 for the, for the, the old rip and the lot B's and, and things like that. And uh, somebody ain't me, I'm not doing it, but I don't see any reason for rare breed to be thrown on there because they produce it at much higher quantities, right? There's no reason for people to be panic buying rare breed. Um, go buy a bottle or two, leave some on the shelf for everybody else. Um, that way we can all enjoy it. It's fantastic. It's great stuff. So, but yeah, luckily the one bottle, yeah, rare breed's a perfect bottle that should exist on the secondary because in my opinion, the secondary market, could be just for like what you did for me. I can't get Claremont's deep around me. I haven't seen it. I don't even know if it's offered in Maryland. You got it readily available by you. So you pick it up, you take the time to send it to me. So yeah, you mark it up on the secondary market, quote unquote, because you spent the time to get it, spent the time to go to the post office and ship it. However, you got it to me, you know, that kind of thing. So your time is valuable. So there is a markup, which I'm okay with on secondary bottles. But if you're marking it up, 20 times it's msrp and that's just out of control and that's that's where the secondary gets his bad name but you know enthusiasts sharing bottles that other enthusiasts can't get in their market or you know distribution areas that's what the secondary should be about but unfortunately some people that probably don't even drink whiskey are gobbling up these bottles and raffles and however else they get them and they're marking them up 10 20 percent you know 20 times higher than the msrp and that's what gives the secondary that name i agree i've got some friends that um they don't they don't drink it they buy just to sell you know and then i've got friends that that buy and they play the secondary game and they drink and they'll pick up something that they normally wouldn't if they see it because they know that they can resell it and I'm a capitalist, you know, I'm all about getting what you can, why you can, as long as it's, you know, you're not hurting anybody, something like that. But I'm also a realist in that I understand that there are people like myself that want to be able to get my hands on certain bottles and can't. And I understand why I can't. And I also understand why I get pissed off whenever I see them on the secondary for way more than they're worth, because I would like to be able to buy it. Hell, I would buy it on secondary. If I could buy a bottle, if I could buy a Pappy Van Winkle 23 for 350, 400 bucks. Okay. I can get that. I bought one of the most expensive bottles or one of the, it's not necessarily an expensive bottle, but one of the things that I paid the most for was a George T stack. And I paid $200 for the bottle and I was skipping out the door. I was just as happy as I could be. And the bottle was sold to me by a man that owned a liquor store and he sold it to me from his personal collection. He brought it to his store from his home and sold it to me from his personal collection. It was more than I would normally pay for a bottle, but I was never going to get to see that bottle again, at least not to buy it. So, and I, I drank it real fast. 
I should have drank it in hindsight. I should have drank it slower than I did. Um, I drank about half of it by myself. And then I had some buddies coming to town and it was the first time we'd all been in the same room for about seven years. And, um, we, we drank the shit out of that. We killed it. And, um, I, I wish that I still had even just a little bit left, but it is what it is still, you know, rare breed. I don't see a reason for it to, like you said, if, if the secondary market were used properly, which I don't even think that there should be like, for me, what I would do is I would go buy the bottle. Somebody reimbursed me for the amount that I spent plus the shipping, which is all that I'm going to spend. And that's it. You know, you, you <clears throat> decided that my time was valuable enough to send a little bit extra, which I appreciated, but it was unnecessary. Still something like that is a completely acceptable use of the secondary market. I feel, but, but like you said, marking it up, you know, two, three, four hundred times what it actually costs in the first place. It's absolutely ridiculous. So there's no reason for consumers to be making money on a product like that it just it just at least not as much as they are and i only say that because i want to be able to get my hands on some of these bottles and i can't so i'm, I'm i guess i'm bitter yeah and i do it because i'm not trying to i don't ever look to make money and i don't expect anybody to send me other anything other than msr you know what i paid for it plus shipping but i do it because i want to you know help people out find you know to help them out to find bottles that they can't find to try things they can't try because I hope they return the favor, you know, that's so selfishly. I, I would be glad to take my time and go get a bottle because you know, two, three months down the road, you might have something in your area that I don't have and it will work out in, you know, in my benefits for that little bit of time that I spent doing a favor for you. It can come back to me. And that's, that's where the secondary should exist. If you want to even call it secondary, I, I, I hate to even call it that because it's just friends helping out friends, finding things that they can't find and trying things that they can't try. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So, let's move on to the beer product of the week. This week, we are reviewing Grave Before Shave. And I've had my particular bottle, it's a cigar blend. I've had this for a few months and I love it. It smells great. You know, it, it, it moisturizes my beard perfectly it's not it doesn't feel like it just evaporates out of my beard it's still i can still feel it i put it in there earlier today my beard's nice and soft i'm not pulling oil off my hands but it feels like i am and i i put it in there about 8 30 9 o'clock this morning and it's now 5 54 p.m so the it 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 has a good cigar type smell the ingredients are tea tree oil pure apricot oil jojoba oil, sweet almond oil, vitamin E, aloe vera, and some essential oils. And I, I'm not sure exactly what some essential oils means, but I know what an essential oil is, and it's not anything that I'm terribly worried about putting into my beard. What um, what do you have over there, Paul? I know you don't have the cigar blend. Nope, I have the, it's called the Gentleman's Blend um, with notes of bourbon. Um, and the ingredients are much of the same. Sweet almond oil apricot kernel oil, jojoba oil, grapeseed oil, argon oil with some essential oils added. Um, it's a great product. It's a subtle smell. Um, it's not overpowering, which, which is fantastic. I hate beard oils that have super strong odor because it's, you know, 
half an inch from my nose and I don't want to smell that all day. Um, but it's got a, a, a great smell. Um, you, you get the smell of a little bit of whiskey and like maybe like a wood. It says sandalwood. I don't know what sandalwood is, but I definitely pick up a wood, you know, note to the smell of it. It's a great product. It, it goes in well. It lasts a while. Like I said, I showered this morning and put it in after the shower and it's still there. It feels like I'm wearing beard oil, but like you said, it's not greasy. It doesn't come off on my hands like some other products do. Um, I really like this brand. Um, it's a, uh, they have a, a lot of products, um, from balms, to oils, to waxes. Um, they also have another brand, um, which is, uh, fisticuffs mustache wax. Mm -hmm. I think that's how they got started, but they, they offer a lot of products. They're reasonably priced. Good ingredients really like this brand it's a uh, great before shave.com if you want to check them out um it's a good company just to support them yeah i think um so you mentioned price and i failed to mention mine um i think it was 15 dollars for this particular bottle i got it from amazon but they have their own their own website yeah i was looking at the uh about us on the website here and uh, it's, it's a company started by a gentleman named wayne bailey so Wayne, uh, if you happen to hear this, great job. These products are awesome. Um, he mentions in the in the uh, the writing that Fisticuffs mustache wax is one of the best selling mustache waxes in the United States, and that's awesome um, because there are a ton of different waxes, you know in the in the beard world there i remember when i first started growing my beard i just had to wash it with regular shampoo just you know that was 20 20 years ago 20 20 something a little over 20 something years ago and just you know there weren't any there weren't any must or, or shampoos there weren't any conditioners oils combs none of that specifically for beards so uh that that industry just kind of took off real quick, like a rocket. And to be able to say that, you know, you have one of the top selling mustache waxes in the country, especially when you've got competitions specifically geared around beard growing and, and mustache growing in the different styles and things of that nature, which is consequently how he got into this industry in the first place. Um, he started growing his facial hair professionally right after he married his wife and she gave him the green light to quote unquote explore the true potential of his of his follicle powers um so essentially he started growing his beard and his mustache for beard and mustache competitions which are extremely interesting um nothing that i could ever really get into uh, my beard does tend to reach what they call terminal growth uh, fairly quickly this is all i've got so it my, my beard really doesn't get any longer than this um my mustache i can get that sucker pretty pretty out there um but my problem is if i if i wanted to do the the length on the sides and curl it and all this stuff it looks funny if you trim all this right in here right here in between and if I let all this grow out, then I spend three, four months with hair in my mouth constantly, and I can't stand it. I hate the feeling of hair in my mouth. So 
I can't make that really work out. This so this is pretty much all I got. And it's not bad, right? It's not it's not patchy, it's not short, it's not, you know, it's 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 pretty long, pretty big, very full and thick. But you know, it is what it is. I'm not gonna win any competitions with my beard. Uh, I think Paul could probably manage to to pull out a silver or gold medal if he were to go into a competition. It's it's nice and long. I don't think I'm there yet. I've seen a few of those online and uh some of these guys, I mean. They put full time work into that thing. There's a uh, the handlebar mustache competitions. They're they're yeah they're they're crazy. But like I said, I mean, I would love to be able to let it grow. You know, the length right between the tip of my nose to be able to come out to the sides of my mouth. But there's no way I would never be able to eat a sandwich. I wouldn't have <laughs> all my food choices would be restricted for months and months and months until I got to that point. Uh, just, yeah not that important for me so I, I keep it trimmed as much as i can basically got to eat through a straw right yeah I mean, we already have enough problems going out as beard wearers you know yeah. you can't can't get soup at <laughs> a restaurant you know you, <laughs> you gotta make you gotta pick your uh pick your restaurant menu items you know when you're at home who cares but uh <laughs> you're at a restaurant you gotta pick what you want and then think how's this gonna go and decide right. if you want to get it <laughs> Yeah, some of those guys with the mustaches, man, they've got, you know, multiple tiers, you know, big circles and and it's just it's craziness. I don't I don't know how they can manage to I don't understand how they can because we talked about this last time. Oh, how how do you grow a beard like that? Well, I just don't shave my damn face. But here's the thing. If it doesn't grow past a certain length, and that is a that is a thing. I didn't think that you know, years ago I thought, well, I'll just let it grow forever and I'll end up looking like the you know a a cartoon version of a moonshiner or something like that with a beard down my belly button and whatever and it doesn't work like that it stops growing at a certain point and i don't understand how that works i really don't i especially once i started to go bold i thought well my body's gonna have to put this somewhere else it did on my back it put it on my back it did <laughs> it didn't put it on my face um, my, my body just decided there was enough on my face already. So now it's time to put it on your back where you can't shave it. And it's, it's in that, just that spot where you can't shave the shit. So it is what it is. So this is a great product though. This guy, he, he, he knows what he's doing. Like Paul said, a subtle smell. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's, I, I, I really like it. I've actually had two different bottles of this particular brand. Good stuff. Yeah, I've been really happy with it. I'm looking forward to trying a couple of the different scents out that they have. I know they have a, a Bay Rum that I was back and forth on when I purchased this bottle. So um, looking forward to trying more of their stuff. Um, just to reiterate, though, it's, I mean, you can tell that it's a great product when, as you know, after you put it on, you run your, your hands through. When you go to wash your hands off, a little bit of soap, some water, a lot of these cheap beard oils don't come off your freaking hands. Right. Oh, and you have to scrub and scrub and scrub. I, this, I mean, it comes right off. You know, it's made out of good product. And it's going to, that being said, it stays in your beard. Like I said, it's been hours since I've taken a shower and I can still feel my beard is soft. I can still feel it in there. But as I do that, there's no residue, like with some of the cheaper stuff where it could be the next day when you wake up and you do that and you still have this grease, you know, and yeah. That my mind tells me that this is actually quality ingredients that are getting, you know, into my hair and not just remaining on the beard hair. Right. I think they're doing a good job. And like I said, yeah. it, 
gravebeforeshave.com. Just check them out. Absolutely. So let's uh let's move on to our cigar, Paul. Um I believe that we both have a Cohiba in front of us. Yes. Yes, sir. Now, I don't know how many cigars you've had in your lifetime. I know that you've just recently gotten into the cigar game, but um, this is one of the better known brands, obviously. Um, and it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect for this wild turkey one-on-one. Um, it's, it's got a robust flavor. It's not overpowering. Um, it does give off a pleasant, but, uh, pungent aroma. Um, when I walked in the house just a few minutes ago, my wife could smell it when I was coming up the stairs, but that's okay. It's. It, it smokes evenly. You don't have to put a whole lot of effort into it to keep it lit. You know, you can, you can hit it uh, every now and again, and, and it's just going to keep on rolling. Um, and it does accent the flavor of this bourbon very nicely, which I really appreciate. Um, I get, when I smell it, I get um, exactly what I would expect out of a cigar. I don't, uh, it's not, I don't get any kind of off aromas or off flavors, um, that would make me think that there's a whole lot of, um, nasty chemicals involved in the production or anything like that. It's just, uh, it's just exactly what you would think. And this, this particular cigar was given to me. So as far as price on, on a Cohiba, I'm going to have to take a step back and let you talk about the one that you have because you actually paid for yours. Um, so take it away. Yeah. So you sent me what you were going to be smoking. I went to the local cigar shop and they did not have that one. Um, he had some other Cohibas, but he highly recommended this one, which is the Cohiba Siri M, which I didn't know much about, but he said it's a limited edition. Um, this is the third in the line, I guess they've been putting out, um, so it's a little bit higher end cigar. It costs about 30 bucks. Um, but I told him what we were doing, pairing it with whiskey, and he couldn't recommend this one enough. So I was happy to actually bought two of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, it goes very well with this wild turkey. Um, it brings out, like, uh, I, I took a sip of the wild turkey before we started so I can kind of get a baseline again because I haven't had it in a while and um after smoking the cigar and drinking the wild turkey it really pulls like caramel and almost even chocolate to the forefront of the palate um so it's 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 a really pleasurable pour when paired with a cigar like this yeah i definitely got the chocolate um i think it helped bring out a little bit of the leather too um which is something that i I enjoy, um, and it also helped with the pepper um, from the rye. I, I got a lot more pepper from the rye and the wild turkey than I normally would. 
I don't know if that's because I'm used to drinking proofs higher than 101 or if it's because I myself haven't had wild turkey in, in a little bit. Um, but I've been smoking the cigar the entire time that I drank the wild turkey and there was more of a pepper spice on my tongue. So um, with that said, it, it does definitely help bring out some, some flavors that, that I normally don't get with wild turkey when I drink it. So um, great cigar, you know, they've been around for a long, long time. I don't even know how long they've been around. So I'm going to have to look that up real quick. Um, let's see here. So Cuban Cohiba was established in 1966 as a limited production private brand supplied exclusively to Fidel Castro and high-level officials in the Communist Party of Cuba and Cuban government. Um, often given as diplomatic gifts, the Cohiba brand gradually developed a cult status. It was first released commercially for sale to the public in 1982 the Cohiba Siglo 6 has received some of the highest scores in the line from blind reviews, including a 93 from Cigar Aficionado and a 90 from Blind Man's Puff. The U.S. Cohiba brand name was registered in the United States by the General Cigar Company in 1978, and cigars using that trademark have been produced for the American market in the Dominican Republic on a large-scale since 1997. This Cohiba is related to the Cuban product in name only, containing no Cuban tobacco and thus is the only Cohiba that can be sold legally in the United States. Now, this was taken from Wikipedia nearly verbatim. I suppose that it's still illegal for a Cuban cigar to be purchased or, or you know, obtained, what have you, in the United States. This cigar would have been produced in the Dominican Republic, but it's it's a it's a it's a nice, smooth smoke. Um, I don't know exactly what the price was on this. You said the one that you bought was about thirty bucks. Like I said last week, the cigar world they it can get out of hand pretty quick. Um, you know, so you you got to find something that you really like that that isn't going to cost you an arm and a leg. But um, for what it is, for what we've got. You know, cheers to Cohiba. Mine was, uh, I got some history off of, not history, but some background off of the, the Siri M, which I'm smoking. It's a uh, handcrafted at the El Teton de Bronze Cigar Factory in Miami. Um, and this is the third release in that line, uh, the Siri M line. Uh, the fillers are from Nicaragua and Dominican Republic with uh, Nicaraguan wrapper uh, and binder. Um, limited edition. It's a limited to a release of only 4,000 boxes. And I guess they'll move on to making the fourth in the series. All right. So now we're going to move on to a segment we call This Pours on Me. Today, we're drinking Larceny Barrel Proof A121. Um, as with last week, I sent Paul a sample. 
This batch is coming in at 114.8 proof. That's 57.4% alcohol by volume. Larceny is a heaven hill product with a absolutely incredible story. And it's, it's part of their weeded whiskey line. Um, the story goes that back in the day, a man named John E. Fitzgerald, who was a ABC agent, um, lived in the bonded warehouse and he would steal from the barrels. He was the, um, the agent that was there to make sure that the whiskey wasn't tampered with in the bonded warehouse. If folks aren't familiar with the bond, the bottled and bond act, there's a lot of history behind it, but in a nutshell, it basically stated that whiskey produced at distilleries was kept in a bonded warehouse and that was washed over by one of their agents to make sure that that whiskey wasn't tampered with. It was aged for four years and then sold and that ensured the quality of the whiskey that was in that particular bottle. Um, John E. Fitzgerald would steal from those barrels, which is where the name Larceny comes from. Again, um, this is part of their weeded line. So it's the same as Old Fitzgerald which is also named for Johnny Fitzgerald. It is also the same. It, it's the same mash bill as standard larceny, but in my opinion, it is head and shoulders above standard larceny. I am not a fan of standard larceny, but I could drink this all day long. And as far as barrel proof whiskeys go, especially out of heaven Hill, this is right in line with Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, which is one of my personal favorite whiskeys. It's usually allocated, and for good reason. There's not a whole lot of it that comes out of that distillery, um, which is saying something because they produce a lot of whiskey, but they have very few lines that contain their weeded mash bill, and most of them are aged into the late teens. So the fact that you, that you can even purchase this is a privilege and this is a fantastic whiskey. And Paul, how are you, uh, how are you feeling about yours over there? It's great. I mean, on the nose, the cherry just punches it. That's awesome. I love finding cherry notes in whiskey. Cherry, leather, yeah. oak. Yeah. And then on, on the palate, it's, it's just like dark brown sugar, some of that cherry carries through to the palate, but there's like chocolate to it too, a little bit of cocoa. It's, it's really good. I definitely get that cocoa, especially with this cigar, by the way, that, that really kind of mutes some of those other things. And that cocoa really, really comes through. Good. You feel the proof. There's a good spicy finish. It's almost mm -hmm. like black pepper type of finish. But I get like the leather a little bit more on the finish. Over overall, I mean, it's just definitely good whiskey, well rounded. This is this is really good. It does not drink like 114 proof either. I will say that. Is an easy sipper. Um, yeah, and color's great. The mouth feels great. This, yeah, this is a really good whiskey. 
It does. It does need to be said that it is a sipper. <laughs> this is not a shooting whiskey. This is not, you know, this is not uh, your standard eighty-proof whiskey. First of all, it's it's more expensive. Second, it's harder to find, and third, the proof is higher. I would not recommend mixing this, although it will stand up with anything you mix it with. Um, if you're drinking it and and mixing it in a room full of whiskey enthusiasts, you might make the room gasp. Um, they, you know, collectively they may they may have a heart attack. It's it's not, you know, a super expensive bottle of whiskey. It's sixty bucks usually if you can find it, but it's just the flavor is so good that I, I would not, I would not mix this. This was not something I, I wouldn't even put this. I don't generally put whiskey on ice anyways, but I would not put this on ice either. I Or, or, you know, maybe one single drop of water to kind of open it up a little bit, but probably not even that. No, it, it, it's fine. Like it is. Um, I do tend to throw a cube of ice in every once in a while to certain whiskeys and just swirl it around with the, with a spoon and pull the ice right back out just to lower the temperature slightly, add a little bit of water to it. Um, I find that it opens it up a little bit. It's a different experience drinking it cool, you know, cool down rather than room temperature. But this one, I think, stands up just like it is at room temperature. Uh, I think if you did add water or cool it down, it might take away from a little bit of that finish, that peppery, spicy finish. And I, don't, I wouldn't want to lose that. Um, I also agree that this should not be mixed. Um, there's plenty of other higher proof mixers out there for much less than $60 that I could recommend, uh, whether, you know, rather than wasting this fantastic board with, you know, a mixer. I think this is uh, meant to be drank neat and it stands up. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So, yeah. Um, you know, if you can find it, highly recommend it. Highly suggest you purchase it. Hopefully, hopefully it's something that that shows up in your market. If not, hopefully you know somebody that can get it for you. So, um, yeah, great pour, great pour, good choice. This was this was Paul's Paul's choice, by the way. Uh, so let's go ahead and throw that out there. This this is a good choice. I appreciate appreciate you sharing your bottle. Mm -hmm. All right, so. That concludes another episode of Bourbon Beards and Belvedere's. As always, you can find all of our social media links on our website, bourbonbeardsandbelvedere's.com. We appreciate you hanging out with us for another episode and hope that you return. Um, don't forget to share your cigars and your pours responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.
Bourbon Beards and Belvedere's is produced and recorded by Adam Bolden and Paul Rousseau. Editing by Adam Bolden. Music by Ryan Johnson. If you would like to help us continue to grow, please like, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to follow us on our, our social media links, which can all be found on our website at bourbonbeardsandbelvedere's.com. Enjoy your pours and smokes responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>